It's Tuesday, November 15th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle. It's episode 277. We have our old pal, Paul Brarin, on the show with us. And I think maybe we're going to be talking about some EV stuff. He knows more about that than anybody I've ever met. So we'll get to that here in a minute. How's it going, Paul? How's it going, Russ? It's going going well. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) I had a good weekend and I hope to get to share about it in the last few months. It's uh, life's been interesting, but we'll get into it. Yeah. I saw you share something crazy. I won't, I won't mention it now. I'll just let you get to it. Uh, Russ, is there anything we need to cover before we, before we just kind of get into Paul's weekend and what's been going on with him? I don't think so. I mean, other than just, uh, you know, we've been doing some TVP call of duty myself, Mm -hmm. Aaron Bluey here. Uh, our uh, senior XR got it right this time. Field correspondent Daniel Platinum, he was on with us last night. So uh, you know, join the community, join in uh, shooting some digital bad guys. <laughs> if y'all want to play with us, uh, come join us in the chat t.me/slash/techbreakfast, and where we share all kinds of tech news links all the time. Participate in the conversation there, but also you know get hooked into the community. We do all kinds of different stuff, but recently we've started playing um, COD together. All right. Good call out, Paul. Okay. So catch us up. What happened? You went to another meetup again, or you got to see some cool stuff? What's going on? Yeah. This past weekend, right here in my tiny state of Connecticut, there was uh, plans by an engineering student to fly an electric airplane. So that caught my attention. Um, But it got even more interesting. The weather looked terrible. It got rained out Saturday and moved to Sunday. Sunday, the weather had rain too. So I'm like, oh boy, I'm going to get up and drive anyway and hope something happens. But could very well get canceled. Well, it didn't. And here's what's special about it. It's not just an electric airplane hopping for some fairly short flights, under an hour each, as it made its way from Connecticut to Pennsylvania. It's um, called a Pipistrelle electric airplane. And well, that's a big deal in this country because there's very few of them, just a handful as they start to try to get certified. But right now it's more for Say it again. Training. It's Pipistrelle? P-I-P-I-S-T-R-E-L, P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-P-I-
But I, I got there and met the pilot, and he's like, yeah, the clouds were 4,000 feet. Just flew under them. No problem. Like, All right. <laughs> so anyhow, I, I thought I'd be taking pictures through a chain link fence and trying to zoom in with my iPhone and getting some blurry junk. But boy, was I nicely surprised. We walked right out to the plane, given a tour, took all kinds of 4K video, got a sneak peek at the underside of the wings because there's a message on there for a football stadium at Lafayette College that they'll be flying over uh, this coming week. Pretty cool. So they're doing the first non-flyover, a uh, quiet flyover instead of roaring jets. The whole <laughs> point is this plane's going to hum over and uh, that'll hopefully be pretty memorable for everyone in that audience thinking, oh, I just saw my first electric plane buzzing overhead. So this That's is just cool on so many levels and inspiring as heck. And this is by a junior in college uh, who spearheaded this. And he's bringing awareness, not just to electric planes, but we'll get into um, unleaded fuel as well. So he's just great on camera. Um, there was kids at these events. I caught some of that. And, um, you know, as I got home and kind of trying to explain to my wife what I just saw, and I'm tweeting a little bit, I get up Friday morning. Some of the tweets have 30,000 plus. Jim Farley from Ford retweeted one of my tweets. I mean, no so way. That's good, that's good <laughs> publicity that's awesome. right there. And when you think yes. about it, why wouldn't he, right? It makes his company yeah, look course. pretty awesome. It's a yeah. portable battery pack for planes, and it can charge multiple times. The plane would chase, uh, the truck would chase the uh, plane and um, charge up. And then they do the same thing, repeat all of it until they get to Easton, Pennsylvania. So pretty cool. Um, <laughs> and just, Great. The, wow. Yeah, it's just, it just, especially meeting a 10 year old kid, right? Like, he was pretty clear. He'll rem he knows he'll remember this. His dad, who owns the Ford F-150, did the charging. Uh, hats off to the dad for getting the kid up at, I think, 3 in the morning to go to the local airport to start this whole thing. Yeah, he'll remember that for a lifetime, I would say. And he made that clear on camera to me. And I went and tweeted that out yesterday, too, with his dad's permission, of course. So just really inspiring, feel-good weekend. Kind of needed that after about two months of construction around my uh, new-to-me house that's actually 32 years old. So it's been a little grueling on the personal front, but having some real fun on the weekend just... Brought some joy to my life, so I thought I'd share it. And uh, thanks for inviting me back. It's been a while. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Of course. Good um, to have you back. You guys have any questions? Like, how else would you get this plane across the country or across, you know, the northeast of the United States if you didn't have this, right? Because the little airports don't have charging yet. They can do it overnight or eight hours. But what if you're trying to do in a reasonable amount of time with people following you? And a chase helicopter, by the way, for 4K footage. So there should be some amazing <laughs> documentary or something coming up. Can't wait to see that. Yeah, I guess I'm more I'm more interested in where do we feel like the limitations of this are? Because I know the weight of the batteries creates obviously quite a a unique challenge for the flight, and so that oh. you know that part of it, I'm wondering. I think the use case, obviously, charging infrastructure we've talked about ad nauseum, right? That stuff will hopefully improve. And you, as much as I love the Ford F-150 anecdote, um, that, that's that's <laughs> not going to solve our any long-term problems here. Um, so, you know, obviously hoping this improves at the actual smaller regional airports, but these seem like puddle jump sort of routes that it's going to be making in, in general. But what's, what's next? Like, do we get to cross country flights with batteries as the fuel? Do we go across the Atlantic, you know, what do, do we think we get there? Cause I think I've been, I think I've been living under the assumption that if that happened, it was going to be very far off with a lot of changes and in, in innovation in the space to make it possible. Excellent question. You're, you're not wrong. There's some challenges. This is a, 
a start. So this thing can fly about an hour in this country safely because you need a half hour reserve fuel to be very uh, capable of landing even if bad things happen on your way to an airport that closes or weather or whatever. So in this country, it's particularly tough to fly that a plane that has about an hour of safe range. So basically, I think they said you can do, uh, the pilot said something like five or six takeoffs and landings as a student pilot. And then I got to do the math and review the footage, which I haven't edited and shared yet about eight times, one eighth the cost of gas. So when you're trying to be a pilot training school, man, this is a game changer. You know, your student can get up there in a plane that has a ballistic parachute. If trouble happens above 500 feet, you pull that, the plane drifts down in a parachute, just like a Cirrus SR-22 that I uh, got to fly nine years ago and take off and land, uh, which is awesome. I'm not a pilot, I just got to do for a little ride. But anyhow, back to this plane, the cost savings are huge. Just like the nascent electric vehicle industry 10 years ago, it started out with the Model S. Here you're seeing it with a plane that is only a two-seater, can only fly for about an hour at this price point of, I think it was about a quarter million or maybe 200,000. So yeah, it's just a start. But if you're operating this thing day and night for students to hop in and, and get their licenses quick, oh my gosh, is the savings tremendous versus a gas engine with all kinds of overhaul and maintenance needed versus a simple battery pack and a motor up front. That's the game changer right there. And this kid, Remy, is trying to send a message to the world. It's not just about that. He knows it's going to take many years to get further range in these things for much uh, more dense battery packs. In the meanwhile, Hey World announced two months ago, you can now go with unleaded fuel in the small plane industry. Um, so he's advocating for that. That's the message he's trying to give. His parents have a Cessna. Sorry, his grandparents have a Cessna. He got his pilot's license two years ago, licensed two years ago and was inspired by them. And he knows that as we transition away from that Cessna that and the old technology is of that plane, it's going to take many years to get electric planes to be feasible at all different you know, price points and ranges. So in the meanwhile, hey world, how about we get rid of lead, which hurts children that live near airports. And you hear him on camera just basically admit he's keenly aware of that and that guilt as he got his pilot's license while he's trying to make good on it, fly an electric plane to spread the message that, hey, little airport, you might want to get on the uh, going and let it fuel now. Lead needs to go. So I wasn't sure if you were aware of that, but if you've ever seen Veritasium or other videos about how bad lead has been for the world, one of the worst inventions man came up with to uh, keep engines from knocking, oh, you'll cringe and you'll be changed forever in yeah. not a good way once you see that. And this guy just turning that into a positive and just admitting it, hitting the issue right up front, talking to press about it, local newspapers and what have you, just awesome, including Electric. So it's a website I watch uh, and read, electric.co. Founder of that is uh, that, that guy, um, Seth Weintraub was there, who also started 95 Max. You might know that name. Um, another guy named Dave Connor, whose son is a rather famous YouTuber, and his dad is uh, not shabby himself. Talk all about electric vehicles. They were there. Those folks have so much more reach than any local newspaper. And that's what's really cool, right? Their videos can be seen by a million plus at some point. So that's the kind of local press I was looking for. And that was just really cool to, have, to meet some people I never would have met otherwise either at this little event. Because Danbury's right near Westchester where some of these folks live. So. Yeah. Any other questions? What's this. interesting, they're pitching. So the model is called the Alpha Electro. If you're looking this up, Pipistrelle yes. Alpha Electro. Um, they're, they pitch it as the greenest way of learning to fly. So it looks exactly. like they're, yeah, they're talking about getting familiar with takeoffs and landing. Because uh, again, as you said, it's about an hour of flight time plus 30 minutes reserve. It says it's optimized for traffic patterns. This is where I had a question though, where up to 13% of energy is recuperated on every approach, increasing operations range. What is that? Yeah. Is there some sort of like regenerative Regen. braking? 
Yeah, the propeller becomes regen. So when you have a regular how? plane, wow. Yeah. So if you if you're in a regular plane and you kill the engine, if the engine's still attached to the propeller, the propeller windmills and just keeps spinning as you're coming in mm -hmm. for a landing. You're going downhill essentially, like an electric car. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, there's regen for elevators. That's a little um, foreshadowing for what I also hope to talk about. Something that happened a couple months ago. But anyhow, back to a plane. You're coming in for a landing. That propeller is being forcibly pushed. You're turning that motor into a generator as you're going downhill. I hadn't uh, noticed it was 30%. So cool. You spotted that right 13. on the public 13%. 13%. Excuse yeah. me. So yeah. yeah, that's still pretty amazing. And if you look at the pictures of it, this thing looks pretty sleek, right? It's all about aerodynamics, which is why something like a Model 3 has a 72 to 80, sorry, 72 kilowatt hour battery pack. Something like the new Cadillac Lyric, which is very favorably reviewed. But instead of getting like 140 miles per gallon equivalent, it's getting like 75 miles per gallon equivalent because it looks very American and very boxy and not very aerodynamic yeah. at all. So the theme you're seeing here with the planes are every little ounce matters even more than cars, right? Super sensitive to that. Weight is not a great thing for planes. And the pilot said kind of a funny, as we were all listening to about 20, 30 of us joined around him. He goes, yeah, one thing to keep in mind, electric plane, when you take off and you land, it's the same weight, completely the opposite of a gas plane where you're doing all sorts of calculations when you can land mm. and how much runway you need. And everyone's just like, oh yeah, <laughs> good point. Yeah. You never think about not, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes. Yeah, the engineering of the whole, the body, all that, it looks it looks very intentional in terms of uh, reducing weight and being streamlined. And I imagine it has to have, I mean, it almost, it looks like it acts like a glider as well. It probably has an amazing glide ratio. I'm not finding Yeah, I didn't look yet. up what it is. Um, if any of you have ever flown a glider, by the way, I got to do that once. Just incredible. It can go like 15 or is it 22 feet forward for every one foot drop, some of the most efficient yeah. gliders. And they look very much like this, right? Really sleek, super long wings. This thing looks like a cross between that and a Cessna, like if the two had a baby or something. So it gives you a sense right. of a slender and, and just looks delicate, but they're not delicate at all. They have to be quite robust with this skinny, thin tail, right? That boom's got to be real strong. Here, um, I found it. Best glide, 15 to 1 ratio. Ooh, That's really good. Electric, yeah. And there That's are electric really gliders out there. But this is a full-blown, you know, regular plane. So... Yeah. So for this country, Russ, you're right. We're a ways off. This is a trainer. I'm glad they're positioning that way, right? Rather than people thinking, oh, this is just an absolute substitute. But let's think about that. If you can fly for an hour, what can you do? Well, I live in New England. So there are commercial flights. Um, Cape Air, I believe, is the airline that committed to going all electric. To go to for Boston to Provincetown, uh, Cape Cod, not a long distance. I think as the crow flies, I don't know, it's 38 or 50 miles, something like that. It's not, it's go flying across the bay for a short hop. Oh my, how something like this, if it becomes four seats and six seats, now you're talking, right? Short hops or all over Vancouver or uh, Seattle. I've seen some airlines trying to get going there with commercial short hops, like uh, eight seater, six seaters going from island to island, where right now it's a, you know, gas powered plane. Why wouldn't that be electric, especially near the ocean or whatever? And it just makes sense. So you got to start somewhere. It's kind of like where the auto industry was. 12 years ago, 10 years ago, as Tesla was just starting out and taking baby well, steps. Well, I, I live in Texas, which means I couldn't even get to work in one of these things. But that's, <laughs> <laughs> I, which is why we aside, ride horses. Exactly. That's why we ride horses. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, unlimited energy. My, my, my wife, who grew up um, with horses, just gave me a very awkward look, having no context for what I was just saying. Um, I'm going to be completely honest here. Uh, you mentioned the point about leaded fuel yeah. uh i actually i watched the video you sent to tbp community and, and and i and i noticed he said it too 
perhaps this is uh, my age showing, as in maybe too young, but I have never even considered the fact that we use unleaded fuel, even though that's just what it's called. I've, I mean, obviously, it's an incredibly descriptive name for the fuel that I put into my own vehicle. Mm. unleaded but i've never considered the fact that unleaded meant that previously we were using leaded fuel uh and that apparently i guess what you're saying is is that planes uh still use it but as i was thinking about this like what else would use this i thought to myself maybe for compression ratios buley like race cars would use this i don't know if that's the reason why leaded was valuable or is valuable but i'd literally never given this a thought um at all uh, until you said that and in that that video came through about the whole unleaded versus leaded thing. So just kind of a random admission on my part. Um, just never I've never thought about leaded fuel ever in my life. Just an interesting yep. thing. And Russ, I've been around a little longer in my 50s. I very much remember, you know, leaded fuel as a kid and fuel shortages in the 70s, late 70s there. But also, I'll admit the same thing you just confessed. It was only a few months, ago, a couple of years, maybe a year ago when I first discovered, really, small planes are still predominantly using leaded fuel holy smokes so it's just like what and that guilt you say small planes so small not pl large yeah, planes? correct like a piston powered small plane i don't know what category if you get up to eight seats or whatever and when there's a cut over because turboprops it's not a problem they're running on the kerosene like jet fuel stuff i guess but right. I, I don't yeah. kind of know too much about it as you can tell but i was caught rather off guard when i realized oh my god small planes are not only you know they tend to annoy locals with some of the noise but there's also the pollution aspect of actual lead, which is a known problem, especially for young kids' brains. So, well, how's that for a double whammy? If you're trying to exert pressure in an airport to um, not keep existing, well, that's where Seth Weintraub from Electric chimed in when we were talking about lead with the pilot. I think he mentioned something about Southern California Airport trying to go all electric or just make an announcement, and that's the one way you survive, right? Say, hey, locals, a lot less noise as we come in to land these things and take them off too. Um, and they have high torque, by the way. It could take off pretty fast. The takeoff roll was pretty short. Um, high torque, meaning you don't build it up. You just pick a throttle position and you instantly have that torque, just like an electric car. Sounds great for planes, right? <laughs> you know, waiting is you're about to stall two seconds for the thing to spool up to keep you from crashing to the ground. You have instant <laughs> torque. So all sorts of benefits, just like a car. They'll end um, up having to put so, fake noises in it so that you know. I get so many looks because, you know, I don't I don't have the lightning, but I do have the, the power boost F-150. And when I go in reverse, I mean, I'm... I would say 99.9% .9 of the time, if I'm in reverse, I'm on electric power. And so my truck beeps when it backs up like a dump truck, basically, like to let uh, people know, you know, hmm. that, hey, this thing is coming. And I get so many looks, like people will look at it and I have people ask me, they're like, oh, do you have that electric F-150? And I was like, I have part of it, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it, well, it just, it, it's just an interesting thing when you notice that that noise exists that didn't didn't exist before. And yeah. I could be totally off on this when you're talking about engines and lead needed and octane and race fuels and all that kind of stuff. But what I understand simply is the more powerful the engine, the higher the compression ratio in the valves, which then require higher octane and lead becomes a booster of octane to help support the compression ratio needed. Now, most autos out there have a much lower compression ratio than race cars or, or jet engines, et cetera. So you don't need lead in them. That's, where, right. that's, that's what I like, believe is that's how it works. That's yep. sort of what I 
guessing um, was that it would kind of you know be that supporter for the higher compression ratio. Like I use higher octane fuel, which just because every time I mention this to people, they ask me if you have to do this, you do not have to do this. But because my truck has turbochargers on it, it does have a higher compression ratio, and I use higher octane fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, or does you know yeah. can fit build the truck and engineer it to be able to use uh you know whatever it is 87 octane although if you yeah. actually read the manual you'll see that they will recommend that you use higher octane fuel because of the compression ratio and that's strictly right. because of turbos and um, you can add more octane without adding lead to to get that higher octane capability correct. but then adding lead will boost it even more but Dude, yeah. I, I don't know if you've ever seen it at a gas station, but where I lived in North Carolina, there was that's where like I don't know all the all the NASCAR companies are based. Um, a lot of the local gas stations had a hundred octane. The like race. Whoa, field. really? So, yeah, I've I've only the highest I've ever seen is ninety three. You know, it's always yeah. ninety three or ninety one, and the depending on where I've been, that's the highest that's available. Yeah, just um, north of Charlotte, North Carolina. 100 octane you can get it a lot of places over 100 there. octane i'm going there um, for fuel from now on yeah so aaron quick, quick question the, oh, oh yeah go ahead. i was just going to close that topic out with you said about you know reasons for lead and then reasons for slowness in the uh, airline sorry small aircraft industry is just certification it's just a painfully grueling process uh, yeah. to say all these ancient planes from the 60s these cessnas that people own need to be absolutely safe with unleaded it took them a while to get there where they're comfortable and my understanding is that just happened. And, and if you Google around, you'll see it happen earlier this year. Now you got to figure out how do you get the price down where and all the airports actually keep it in inventory. So the price is similar to the fuel it's trying to replace. That's the hard part. And this kid named Remy, he's just trying to start that ball rolling, right? It starts with awareness and talking to people like you. I, I had no clue on most of this just, you know, one week ago that this event yeah. was even happening. And what he, he just changed me just listening to him. I can't wait to publish the footage I got of him talking. I mean, he was just amazing. He gave me the nerd tour, the charging, how the F-150 is hooked up. My tweet has some of those pictures of that. The engineering yeah, department made right the charger. Yeah. So I have I mean, a question yeah. about that. Yeah. So they put quite the charger the back one. in the car. Yes. Yep. That, that was my question. So is there a, is the charger custom to the, the Pipistrelle where the charger is plugged to it's like a, like a charging brick or whatever. It conditions the power that's coming out of the truck to make it what the plane needs. Is that mm-hmm. is that it? Because I just imagine there is a plug going straight from the lightning to the plane. But there's a charger I did too, and it's, I was I'm similarly confused. Is it a smart charger? It can yeah. it can understand the battery pack in the plane. Yeah. So it looked like when you do sustained charging, like in my home here, um, got a 60 amp breaker, you can get sustain a Model Three can charge at 48 amps. So it takes me about six hours to fully charge the battery. So most of the time it's just two to four hours to top off after a trip. In a plane, this one, it can take at most, um, was it 30 or 32? So he put it down at 26 or 28, whatever conservative number. My understanding from this custom charger they put in the back seat because it was raining pretty hard, um, but normally in the back of the truck there, that was made so they can get it just right, to just squeeze the juice out of the 450 as fast and as safe as possible. Now, <laughs> did they void anyone's warranty or you know, did Jim Farley cringe reading this? I don't think so because that, in the back of the truck bed, you've got a 230 volt outlet. If you pull too much juice out of it, it's just gonna trip. So I don't see that there's right. really a concern. Now, if this truck lives its entire life charging pipistrels for the next years, well, that would be more interesting. But so far, Ford hasn't restricted any of that, including vehicle to grid, vehicle to home. 
They don't have any warranty That's what restrictions. I was going to point they, out. Yeah, yeah they, they, they've set it up to power homes. That's, exactly. That was in their first ad that came out. Exactly. So I do have a nerd, you know, tour from them, but I, man, I have to review that footage and see if I really follow why they need to design this device in the Lafayette College Engineering Department. Is it because, but for, but I do know at a very superficial level, the connectors are different. So the plane does not use a standard EV charging thing. And there's a bunch of hullabaloo with Tesla opening up their tiny little chargers that they use in my garage. The little handle is the same as at a supercharger. It's a very small plastic handle, whereas CCS for all the other EVs in America it's a giant connector, five or six times the size. Much harder to wrestle if you're a petite, you know, 80 pound person. Quite difficult, especially in the winter when those cables get tough. So it's interesting to me. It's such a nascent industry. I don't think we figured out what plane connectors should have because this thing's built in Slovenia and it's one of the first in America. And I think we got some work to do there too. We got to standardize the little airports. You guys are just seeing Yeah, definitely not standardized. This is no, the first yeah. electric uh, plane that I've seen. And I, I mean, I can remember Elon talking about it in an interview the challenge of putting batteries in planes because of getting to altitude, right? Once you're up there, it's great. The big challenge is getting that weight off the ground up to cruising altitude, which yeah. this thing can actually climb pretty, um, pretty quickly. It's like 1200. Here you go. Max climb rate, 1220 feet per minute. That's not bad. Yep. So, yep. And of course, they're just getting at the edge of acceptability, right? They're not going to overdo yeah. it. They don't want to hurt the range. So you have to just get it. But but um, one of the bystanders was asking those very questions, like, what's it like flying this thing compared to regular Cessna? And he wasn't saying it was quiet. incredible, you know, Tesla-like acceleration. No. It's got to be quiet, but it, though. But quieter and more responsive, right? The, the, the throttle's immediate. And, man, I, I can't imagine if, you, if, you were not a, if you're a pilot not wanting immediate throttle response. Again, if you get near a stall speed and you're in trouble waiting for a traditional engine, whether it's a jet or a propeller, it takes a while for the RPMs and, and the power to boost on the motor. Electric, again, it's instant. The second you do the throttle in your car or the second you do the throttle on this plane, you're getting the torque you asked for. Um, so, yeah. And, and the cockpit looks pretty um, simple, pretty lightweight, everything, very uh, thin structure there. Um, and, yeah, when you look at the outside of the plane, they really hid that ballistic parachute quite well. You don't see some giant lump in the back or something. You just see a little nub behind the pilot's head there. So. Yeah. This is super impressive, man. How much did you say they are? I've, I've always been fascinated by flight. Um, like, this is one of my new goals now is to get one of these. <laughs> you say they're like a quarter million? I think so. Is it around the price point? Oh. Yeah, something like that. Okay. So, yeah. Right. Um, selling some plasma or something. <laughs> no, I mean, knowing that I've seen your videos, Aaron, and, and your, your amazing talents with your hands and the, and the engines you built and the fun stuff you do low to the ground, right? You like the feeling of speed where the world is yeah. rushing around you. And when you're down low, it changes everything. Um, I shared with you that I flying in a glider once and pulling three G's sustained for like 20 seconds changed my life. I mean, nothing's like that. No roller coaster or anything comes even close. So the spindly little gliders you see up in the sky, they look like their wings are going to snap off. Those things are strong and it's the ride of your life. It's way beyond any roller coaster, or any car you would ever experience sustaining three or four G's. I think it's about 3.5 G's I hit for many seconds. I mean, it's just incredible. Wow. Um, this so, one says it'll support um, positive four G's to negative two G's. There you go. So it'd be incredible turbulence this little plane can handle, right? You know, the sheer forces of flying into a cloud you shouldn't have or whatever. I mean, it, it's got to handle that. And that's, that's impressive. This thing's not pretending to be a sport plane or something. Um, if you look at the battery, yeah, there's pictures. Now they have different models in different countries. You gotta be a little careful on the website. Uh, but sure. you did get the name, yeah, yeah. Uh, you did get the name right though. 
the um, Alpha Electro is the one that I specifically saw. Yeah, very cool, I, man. Yeah. That is awesome. That blew my mind when I saw you tag me in that tweet. <laughs> I was like, what? Okay, get yeah. him on the show. This is crazy. No, thank, thank you. Cool. I mean, I just knew, take, taking the picture, you have the airport control tower in Waterbury, Connecticut, dinky little airport. And as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's the glowing F-150 signature taillight, cord running from it to the plane, control tower behind. I'm like, I can't wait to get this photo. Like as soon as I was walking down the runway, I'm like, dang, <laughs> this is going to be one of the most fun pictures to take. Too bad it was so you know rainy, but it, it didn't matter. Everyone had smiles on their faces. And it was just really, really cool. Um, no, thank you. And, and, and thank you for the tough questions, right? It's just the beginning. It's going to take many years, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, maybe there's some sort of Safer fuels overseas is a whole other ball game. There you probably got to go with liquid something, right? And it's how do you make that liquid? Do you make it from solar panels? Because it's a high energy thing to break water into um, any kind of hydrogen-based fuel or any, any kind of you know greener fuel than what we got. We're a long way from there. Overseas flying is incredibly difficult, especially for electric, right? Yeah. I'm not pretending we're even close. Okay, so you said there was a few other things. Or Russ, did you have more questions about the this Pipistrelle Alpha Electro? I was going to say, happen. you know, we'll get there one day. Yeah. Um, right. So you said there was other stuff you wanted to talk about. I don't know if you want to touch on cars. You were mentioning it. You had a story about an elevator regen or what, what else is on your mind? Yeah. Okay. So um, let's start with four months ago. Um, a house came up for sale in my neighborhood. My wife and I were looking to downsize and go with one story. And uh, we bought it within 48 hours, talking to a bank and everything on a Saturday and Sunday. So it's amazing how fast real estate's gone because we hadn't bought a house in 27 years. And we bought our first house. It was new from the builder. So buying a used house was a completely new experience for us and scary as all heck. But we got it. And then we had to wait 60 days to move into it, which was exactly two months ago, September 15th. Oh, my, was it difficult to line up about 10 different contractors because we only had two days with like two or three hour windows of opportunity ram as many contractors in there as I could to get estimates and then line up who we could in these times of horrible supply chain problems and contractors being in short supply as well. Basically what I was trying to do is go all electric. Okay. So that's a teaser for future discussion. That project's still underway. I'm doing more network cabling in my basement tonight and moving coax around. I'm not even done yet, but it's a teaser for what I will talk about. And that is while the electrician was ripping out my 200 amp panel and putting in a new one right around that week, I get an opportunity to meet with Matt Farrell from Undecided with uh, Matt Farrell. His YouTube channel, his videos regularly get over a million views. So I was so excited to reach out to him when I heard, hey, this amazing world's largest passive building, passive house is a standard in Europe. It's capitalized passive house. That term means something. If you certify your house is basically net zero for a year or a hotel in this case, you get to put that certification in there. So. I knew they were retrofitting a building that most people who live in Connecticut and drive up 95 have seen over the years. It used to be a Pirelli tire building right along Route 95 in New Haven. I knew the architect because I'd met him as the leader of the EV Club of Connecticut that I helped uh, lead. For him to be matched up with Matt Farrell and his camera, oh man, was this fun for me. But I had to explain to my wife, hey, uh, I need to go to New Haven for a couple hours to film some video with Matt Farrell. I think it'll be well worth my while. I know this is crummy timing, leaving you with the you know the contractors in the house and no electricity in parts of the home. And she supported me on it. So in the middle, in the midst of construction, and just days after moving to the house, I don't even think no, we didn't even have heat or air conditioning working yet. Um, I disappeared for four or five hours to go do my thing, and Matt Farrell had me running his um, 
uh, Insta360 camera and a pole, and he used a lot of the footage. So it's with great pride that I get to watch a video where he shows the complete tour of the hotel and all the amazing tech that went into it, taking an old hotel from the 60s, made out of, it looks kind of like a concrete bunker, and turning it into an efficient um, marvel of engineering, where you can sleep as a business traveler about 400 feet from I-95 traffic and not hear a darn thing. Triple pane wow. windows, of course, but just incredible tech. And what inspired me was just like Matt, we had this magic moment. We just met the architect and, you know, I was kind of the matchmaker role, getting the architect to meet Matt, a prominent YouTuber who drove all the way from near Boston area to do this and just introduced himself. And he's like, okay, let's get in the elevator. We'll go show you the roof or the panels. Or you guys want to see the batteries first? We're like, yeah, sure. Batteries first. You get in the elevator and he just calmly mentions, yeah, when this elevator goes down, you know, there's, there's regen. And I'm just like, what? Okay, <laughs> sure. Why wouldn't there be? Recoup some of that energy from you know, heavy humans being lowered. And as you get to break them, why not use that breaking energy to um, juice things up a little in this hotel? And that just laid the groundwork for how incredible all the tech he outlined for us was. The tour just got more and more exciting. Now I had a preview back in June before the building was done. So I knew what Matt was in for. And it was just so fun to see months later, the all the construction done and this thing come to life and get a full tour, including climbing on the roof and looking out at Ikea that did it tend to, 10 years before him, right across the parking lot, a couple hundred feet away is Ikea, covered in solar panels. European company, they were the biggest solar installer of the entire state of Connecticut. And there they are, they got it before this country 10 years ago. And I just had that moment like, dang, this is quite the sight in New England, right along 95, you know, for the world to see. World's most efficient hotel built as a template for others to follow. And all signs from Google reviews and people staying there look very good. <laughs> and it also has Tesla supercharging coming soon with, um, snacks and a bathroom in the lobby, which is right near the charger, which is a big deal for traveling families with who need to charge. So they got it all there. And then and finally- it has an EV shuttle bus, Maxwell, exactly. what is this? I've never seen yeah. this, ePro. Uh, sorry, I'm just, I'm clicking through. So if you're listening to this right now and you have access to a browser, pull up tinkertry.com and it'll be like the third post up there from November 1st, a couple of weeks ago. And you can see the full blog right up on this and photos and all that kind of stuff. That's what I'm clicking at as you, as you talk about this. What is that vehicle? Yeah, it's a company named Maxwell. They saw the tweet even on a Sunday, thinking and tagged it like, oh, thanks, Paul. And, you know, something like I should drive it sometime. So it's called Maxwell, just a van, but it has no radiator grill in the front. It doesn't look that different than a normal van. But here's the point. This hotel is right near Yale. I think a mile or you can see the rooftops of Yale when you're up on the roof. And it's not far away, maybe two miles. So the students, you know, the parents visiting their kids, what better hotel and what better way to get them there than an electric van that's charged by solar beams, of course. So he took it to the nth level, like everything about this hotel and the property and the charging and everything, just inspiring, right? What can be done? And this is, this is a big project. He's a 30 plus year career architect slash developer. And, you know, he's pretty proud of this and he deservedly so. Um, uh, it's just really fun and inspiring. And he says everything in such a calm manner, like, yeah, you know, we took the LED bulbs, we put the dimmer on them, moved them from full brightness down to 10%, and they they went higher in watt burn. So he's like, well, that's not acceptable. We got to fix that. Can you make bulbs that don't go that way? Let's just go DC. Forget the AC to DC conversion. Let's just move DC bulbs. And he just says this calmly, like, yeah, the company went and did that. And then he just went with Cat5 networking where he doesn't need to pay an electrician. Now you can just do Cat5 cheap networking and do power over ethernet and power the whole hotel uh, light system for 5,000 watts total. So I'm just teasing you, right? This, this is like 5% yeah. of what's in the video. If you watch the whole it's video, incredible. you keep being blown away over and over by all the tech this guy threw in this hotel. It's just incredible. Do, Russ, have you heard of Maxwell Motor Company? 
I have not heard of Maxwell Motor Company, nor have I heard of Undecided with Matt Farrell. So I'm actually, I'm I'm looking at a bunch of sites right now. Yeah, including yeah, side, learning about. I didn't realize. Yeah, they were founded in 1904. I was just just trying to figure this out, figure where it came from. Didn't know if it was an electric vehicle startup or something. Uh, clearly, it's been around for a while. But I guess the original. It then went defunct 97 years ago in 1925, acquired by Walter Chrysler, merged into Chrysler Corp. Wow. So I have to I have to believe it's like being reincarnated and the Maxwell is maybe, I don't know if it's the same because the logo is different. I don't know if it's the same as Maxwell Motor Company, but yeah, not, my not assumption sure. was that it had something to, yeah, my assumption Look was that it had something to do with um, Maxwell's equations. Right, which describe oh. the behavior of electric and magnetic fields and how they relate to right. each other. Yeah, the wiki page doesn't actually mention that equation, so it's a good assumption, though. I don't know. Um, and well, I don't know if this is the same company. Like, if I go to Maxwell Motor Company, is that the same as? It's called Maxwell Vehicle. That's the Twitter handle. The URL is MaxwellVehicles.com, and the vehicle is called okay. an EPRO. That's the picture. So, anyhow, I'm kind of into the nerd tours of school buses too. So, right in Middletown, Connecticut, they've got an electric fleet. And I got a tour of that bus right up to the state capital in Hartford uh, this past spring. That's a complicated thing. They got the chassis by one company, the drivetrain by another, and the battery by a third. But one company supporting it all. And that's a little tricky, right? So they don't quite have that um, integrated supply chain that something like Tesla has. There's a bunch of trying to get electric buses off the ground. They're pretty expensive still, but they're starting to happen as well. The uh, IRA, the Income Reduction Act, and uh, there's some incentives and some money come into all the states to get yourself an electric fleet of buses. And when you talk about what diesel fumes do to kids standing around waiting for the bus in the winter, also not good for their lungs and brains. So we're on, you got a theme going here, right? <laughs> but I mean, I'm trying not to be doom and gloom. I'm trying to be the opposite that at least we're yeah. aware of this stuff now and there's solutions in our lifetimes right under our nose. It's just a matter of math and money and time and all that. Right. But the technology is arriving um, big time. And that's, what's just so fun for me just meeting these people and going out on weekends and, and seeing this stuff happening right around me. Um, but yeah, I think about a bus, it's pretty big, pretty heavy, but super good at regen. It's like an Amazon Rivian fleet, super good at regen, stop and go, stop and go. What's a bus do? Same thing. Perfect application electric, way less re, uh, maintenance than a diesel bus. Right. So I'm going to have yeah. to dig into this right. some more. There's a Maxwell technologies that Tesla acquired in February of 2019 that's like electric energy storage. I don't know. I guess Maxwell's just a common name. I, Sorry, I, I got really sidetracked by that. The same equation <laughs> mentioned before. I also learned something else here that's interesting. Uh, with all the Twitter drama on verified users, uh, I didn't realize that YouTube verified people. I didn't know that. And uh, Undecided with Matt Farrell is a verified account on YouTube. Did, did you hmm. guys know that? Uh, I did not know that notice. they were verifying people. I mean, it's a yeah. it's a check mark next to his name. I'm not kidding. Okay, like, it's not blue. Yeah. It's like it's gray. <laughs> oh yeah, um, no, they do do that. Okay, I went yeah. to a few. I, I've never seen that before, so that was kind of a random thing. But this looks fascinating. All, all the different. I just his. I, I haven't watched any of these, but the idea of what his channel is looks fascinating to me. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check some of this out. So thanks for sharing that, Paul. Yeah, no, he, he's building a new house, a passive house, um, net zero house. So it generates as much electricity as it uses. It doesn't need to be certified or whatever if you're building a private home. And I'm taking a different approach where I'm basically recycling a 32-year-old house and turning it into something green by sealing it up with a, 
a company I, I use for that and getting rid of all my uh, natural gas and going to electric. So he and I are on kind of an all electric kick as we go to heat pumps, as the world goes to heat pumps, like Europe did way before us. And we're just having so much fun. And my approach is, you know, different. And he's got a, another guy he knows, 2-Bit Da Vinci, another excellent YouTube channel, who's doing something similar to me, but in the San Diego area, much milder climate than me attempting to go all electric right here in Connecticut, which is a, a bit risky and um, more cutting edge and not as many people talking about it. So just getting to know the, uh, them through their content. Their videos are just really inspiring and really quite well well beyond my skills. They, you know, editing teams and just mad skills, but also make a living on it and hats off to them. I never noticed the verification chat either. I got to look into uh, what's involved to apply for that. You know, how big does your channel have to be and all that? I have no idea. Oh, yeah, this is very interesting. No, this, this is great. Uh, I we're, we're running short on time, so I'm gonna oh, yeah. shut it down. But this was this was fun as always. Always learning something here. It's amazing. I I just made a comment to my wife yesterday, or maybe it was the day before. We were pulling into our neighborhood, and it, it does feel like every time I pull into my neighborhood, a new house has gone up with solar panels on it. Oh. Uh, and I think I'm starting to see a lot of Tesla solar panels. I say this only from the visual confirmation because I actually think that uh, it, it's just the, the visual side is so different from them and other solar panels. But in general, just seeing a lot of solar panels going up in the neighborhood and I'm, I'm kind of using that a little bit as leverage to try and try and get them on my house as well. But that might be for another time. So thank you for joining and giving us this update. Definitely a lot of things to chew on and think about and, and see. So if, if those of you who haven't, check out uh, tinkertryisit.com. Is that, yep. is that right? Tinkertry.com yes, and then, uh, you know, check out all Paul's stuff and all the videos that he puts up and also follow him on Twitter. I mean, he's he's very talented at following up on previous threads on Twitter and then adding to nobody does it better. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Adding no references in context. Oh, my goodness. It's yeah, pro. it's it's a strong Twitter follow. So um, so go ahead and, and do so. But that's going to do it for another episode of Tech Breakfast Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. Share it with your friends. Join the community. Come play some Modern Warfare 2 with us uh, if you'd like to. But until next time, we'll talk to you later. Peace.